Good morning, church. Well, um, I'd like to draw our attention today to one line in Psalm 23. So if you've got your Bible there, Psalm 23, verse 4. And halfway through the verse, there's the famous line, I will fear no evil. I will fear no evil. And we're in the middle of this series asking, um, what kind of a church are we? Uh, What kind of a church should we be? What kind of a church is God calling us to be? And I believe that God wants us to be a fearless church, a fearless church. To be fearless in 2020 would be to be pretty countercultural. There's a lot of fear around, which everybody is acknowledging. The newspapers are full of headlines reporting that anxiety and stress and fear are through the roof. One recent writer in The Guardian um, last month gave their observations, quote, After working for 20 years as a performance psychologist and culture coach, helping people find better, happier ways to work and play, I've reached the conclusion that all of us are driven by fear. All of us, repeated. Now we find ourselves in a time when fear has become our new currency. Throughout the pandemic, there has been a constant dripping of fear, a sense of catastrophic possibilities. I don't think probably many of us would disagree with that. Um, But I wonder, we we might ask, well, isn't fear sometimes kind of a good and a healthy thing? Isn't it a natural sort of preservation instinct that sharpens our focus and protects us from dangers and threats? Well, yeah, I'm sure that that's true. But throughout the Bible, we are told repeatedly again and again not to fear. And I don't think it's talking about a healthy fear. I think it's talking about an unhealthy fear, about a debilitating fear, the fear that causes worry and anxiety and dread and panic, a fear that is listening to that constant dripping and that plays fearful thoughts on our on loop uh, around in our heads, a fear that holds us back, a fear that ties us down. And that sort of fear really isn't good. And there's plenty to trigger fear at the moment. Um, We fear for our health. I mean, none of us have listened to so much advice about health and public health as we are doing at the moment. Um, We're fearing for our future and what's going to happen with the economy. The economy's going off off a cliff. Jobs, you know, when when all the furlough money runs out, will uh, there still be a job for me? What will happen to my business? What's going to happen with exams and uh, people going to university? The future um, is causing fear. Um, But the biggest fear, of course, is the fear of death itself. And we live in a society that, in general, you know, is pretty pretty shielded from death, thank God. Um, You know, the life expectancy in this country has doubled in the last 150 years, amazingly. I always thought the life expectancy was sort of about 75. But according to the Office of National Statistics website, where you can plug in your age and so on, and it gives you a prediction, and little baby Fred, our son, who's just been born, according to the government, his average life expectancy is 88, which is amazing. And so thank God, you know, death isn't, just isn't around us and in our face as much as it sort of was in previous generations. Three quarters of people die being well looked after in hospitals and in care homes and so on. So probably most of us, I've never seen a dead body. Um, Never mind experience what it must have been like to be in a war or kind of see a plague or a famine or a pestilence or a catastrophe rip through our society. 
But 2020 has been the year for the first time in living memory in which our society has had a proper glimpse at its own mortality. It's just lifted the lid on it and it's been a reality check that death has always been there. And the reaction has not been good. We haven't liked what we've seen and it has caused people around us to fear. But here in this psalm, David says, even though I walk through the darkest valley, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear. How how can he say that? Why not? You know, what's wrong with him? Why was David fearless? And could we live like that as well? Should we? And if so, how could we? Well, the Guardian article wasn't really very much help at this point in offering actual practical solutions to the problem of fear. They pretty much just say, you know, to sort of get used to the fact that we're going to die. Pretty much get your affairs in order. If you need to write a will, get on and write one. Um, Declutter your house. Sensible, I'm sure, to do those things. But I don't think it's probably any real kind of solution to the problem of death which causes fear. This psalm, it doesn't just tell us not to fear, it gives us the reason why we don't need to fear. You know, the the Bible is full of encouragements not to fear. It's all the way through the Bible. Don't fear. Do not be afraid. Fear not. And someone said repeatedly, so we heard it said that um, 365 times in the Bible it says not to fear. One for every day of the year. I don't know if you've heard that. And I don't, I'm not sure actually whether that's true. I try to Google it, find the answer, and It seems inconclusive whether exactly how many times it does say not to fear in the Bible. Um, But either way, it's a lot. It's definitely in the hundreds. But all of those times throughout the Bible where it says not to fear, it never simply just says, don't be afraid. Because that wouldn't help anybody. You know, if if you're afraid, if we're afraid, it doesn't help to simply say, well, don't be. Um, You actually need to give the reason. And the Bible always tells us the reason we don't need to be afraid. And here is no different. It says, I will fear no evil for you are with me. When I, um, before I came to Mars, I lived in South Africa for a while and uh, lived in Johannesburg. And Johannesburg's got a bit of a reputation of being quite a scary place. Um, I actually loved it and had a really, really good time there. But, you know, it was It was a place where I didn't go, actually. And a few months into having lived there, I hadn't really seen quite a bit of the city because it sort of stuck to the places where I knew and which were safe. And uh, so anyway, one day, one friend of mine, Leonard, said, "Um, you know, would you like to see real Joburg? Um, uh, Would you, you know, should we go on a little tour? And I sort of said, well, is it safe? And he said, you'll be safe with me. And he was right, you know, and so we went and we went proper into sort of downtown Joburg and had a real tour of the city. And big Zulu Leonard knew what he was doing. He knew where he was going and we were safe. And we don't need to fear when we're with somebody who can keep us safe. And the reason not to fear is because God is with us. The presence of God is the solution to fear. His perfect love casts out fear. And this is all the way through the Bible. You know, when Joshua was going to enter the promised land, the Lord said to him, just as he was about to go in, he said, be strong, famous verses, be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. For 
I am with you. The Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. When they'd been exiled from the land and the Israelites were living in captivity, Jeremiah prophesied to them, don't be afraid, for I am with you. Uh, when the remnant were going back into the land and were going to rebuild the temple, Haggai said to them, be strong, don't fear, all you people of the land, declares the Lord, for I am with you. When Paul, in the book of Acts, was in trouble in Corinth, and the Lord spoke to him in a vision, he said, don't be afraid, keep on speaking, do not remain silent, no one's going to attack or harm you, for I am with you. And why do we not need to live a life which is gripped by fear? Because actually the last thing that Jesus said before the ascension was, surely I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. This is a repeated biblical principle. You can check it out anytime you're reading through the Bible and you come across uh, an encouragement or an exhortation or even a command not to fear. It's never on its own simply as a command. It's always accompanied. You can bet that you'll find the reason nearby, the presence of God is the reason why we don't need to fear, because he is with us. And David, who wrote this psalm, knew the presence of the Lord, verse 1. Famous words, the Lord is my shepherd. And you know, David knew what it was to be a shepherd. He was a shepherd. He'd been a shepherd. And he knew exactly what shepherds do for their sheep. Shepherds are what sheep need, because shepherds provide for their sheep. Verse 1, he says, the Lord's my shepherd. I lack nothing. And it's only somebody who knows uh, that a relationship with the presence of the living God is all we need who can actually say that that is we lack nothing because shepherds provide for the sheep. They care for the sheep. Verse two, he makes me lie down in green pasture. He leaves me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He knew that shepherds guide the sheep. Sheep don't know where to go. Um, he leads me. Verse two, verse three, he guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. But most of all, David knew that shepherds protect their sheep. His rod, verse five, verse four, his rod and his staff comfort me. And David knew about that. You know, David had killed lions and bears in the attempt to protect his sheep. And David knew that if he could do that, how much would the Lord, his shepherd, protect him? He knew that when the Lord is our shepherd, we don't need to fear because he's with us. And if David knew that, well, we can take all the more encouragement from this psalm than he ever could have done. Because several centuries after David came the one who claimed to be the good shepherd. And the good shepherd laid down his very life for the protection of the sheep. David, he had confidence in the face of death. He knew that he wasn't walking into the valley of death. He knew he was walking through it and he would come out the other side. And that's the whole point of Christianity, isn't it? That Jesus Christ, the great shepherd, actually laid down his life for sheep and defeated death and rose again from the grave. And so those of us who are his sheep will follow him into eternal life and immortality on the other side. Death has lost its sting. Death has been defeated. Death is no longer a reality. It's only a shadow that remains. And as Spurgeon once said, shadows don't stop anybody in their path. Shadows don't need to be feared. The shadow of a dog cannot bite me. 
The shadow of a sword can't kill me and the shadow of death can't destroy me. And this isn't the valley of death that David knew he was walking into. This is simply the valley of the shadow of death. It was the shadow of death because the enemy had been, has been defeated. And that's why verse 5 The Lord prepares a table before us in the presence of our enemies because the enemy has been defeated. I've never been in a battle, um, but I can't imagine that if you're in the middle of the thick of it, you know, that there's much time to eat. Hopefully you ate before you came. Um, But if you aren't going to be able to eat something, probably it's a hasty snack that you've kind of grabbed and you're eating your rations kind of on on the go, standing up, keeping moving so you can get back into it. Well, that's not the picture here. Here the picture is that even though the enemy is right there, verse 5, a table has been prepared in the presence of the enemy. You know, this is three-course meal. The tablecloth's been laid out. You know, would you like to sit down? Here's the wine list. We're sitting there even in the presence of the enemy who is right there. We can enjoy this great feast because the enemy can't touch us. The presence of God is the antidote to fear. We shouldn't live in fear. And that's why Jesus said, don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't be afraid. That's why the 16th century Anglican Book of Homilies included a homily against the fear of death. That's why David wrote this psalm and why it's been so famous throughout the ages and why so many of us have memorised it. It's worth memorising because as one writer said, Psalm 23 has charmed more griefs to rest than all the philosophy of the world. It is remanded to their dungeon, more felon thoughts, more black doubts, more thieving sorrows than there are sands on the seashore. This psalm has comforted the noble host of the poor. It has sung courage to the army of the disappointed. It has poured balm and consolation into the heart of the sick, of captives in dungeons, of widows in their pinching griefs, of orphans in their loneliness. Dying soldiers have died easier, as this psalm was read to them. Ghastly hospitals have been illuminated. It has visited the prisoner and broken his chains. It has made the dying Christian slave freer than his master. And nor is the work of this psalm done. It will go on singing to your children and my children and their children through all the generations of time. Nor will it fold its wings till the last pilgrim is safe and time is ended. And then it shall fly back to the bosom of God whence it issued and sound on mingled with all those sounds of celestial joy, which make heaven musical forever. Do you believe that today? I think it's natural that fear is on the increase. I think it's natural that there's kind of a panic around us. I think it's natural that, as that writer from The Guardian said, fear has become the new currency and that throughout this pandemic there has been this constant dripping of catastrophic possibilities. I think it's natural that that's happened because people don't know the shepherd. They don't know that the shepherd is with them. I mean, if I was in the middle of Johannesburg on my own, I think I'd be pretty terrified. And I think society is terrified because it's not walking through the valley of the shadow of death with the good shepherd. Society is walking into the valley of death on its own. And that's why the world needs a fearless church. The the, the world needs us to be the church which knows 
the presence of the shepherd and can help others come home to him. Let's pray. Lord, you looked out at the crowds and saw that the people were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And how true that is in our day. We look out at our world and it's just the same. People are harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And Lord, we pray, please would you help us to be a fearless church in the face of chaos and panic. Help us to be able to point to the good shepherd, the one who the world needs at this moment. We think of our friends, we think of our neighbours, our colleagues, our family who don't know you. And we pray that you, the good shepherd, would reach out and draw them home. We pray for those of us here, anyone who's watching here today, who really knows that they are a lost sheep, that they've drifted and wandered off from the flock and have got themselves stuck in some bramble bush and are now alone and afraid. Lord, I pray for anybody who feels like that, that they would allow themselves to be sought out and found by you, the good shepherd, who will reach down and take hold of us and sling us over your shoulders and carry us home. Thank you that there's no mountain you won't climb up, no shadow you won't light up, no lie you won't tear down, no wall you won't rip down. Coming after us, you'll leave the 99 and go after the one lost sheep and bring us home. And I pray for any lost sheep today that they would know the comfort of the good shepherd. And I pray for all of us. Pray for St. Mark's Church. You'd help us not to be a church which conforms to the prevailing attitude of fear that doesn't trade in the currency of fear, but says with King David, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I pray for a fresh anointing. David was anointed his head with oil to equip him for the task ahead. And we pray for an anointing, a fresh touch of the Holy Spirit. Fill our cup to running over. Help us to know your presence with us. Come Holy Spirit, we pray. And would you make us a fearless church for the good of the world around us and the glory of your great name, we pray. Amen.